Speaking of Sphincters by Casey with a K. Early. My endoscopy was scheduled so very early. Mornings were tough on me on a regular day, and I was due to arrive at the outpatient check-in desk at 6.45 a.m. I began the backwards math. I allotted 10 minutes to walk from the parking garage down to the main lobby and then back up to the third floor to check in. That means I'd need to park by 6.35 a.m., but that's a weird time, so for the sake of both my memory and unforeseen obstacles, I'll just round to 6.30. Five minutes to creep around each level of the parking garage hoping my headlights were bright enough to prevent any collisions as I navigated each narrow turn, five more minutes to wait outside the entrance to the garage in the line of cars accumulating behind a poor soul unfamiliar with the parking garage ticket protocols. That put me at 6.20 a.m. One hour travel time, well padded to account for traffic, construction, and or trips to fill the gas tank that I had meant to do the night before. So I knew it would need to be on the road by 5.20 a.m. Ten minutes to defrost the windshield, run back inside to retrieve a forgotten item, one last at-home bathroom break, and to set the GPS. Ten minutes to walk out the front door, take two steps, turn around, jiggle the front doorknob to ensure that it is indeed locked, then schlep my purse, medical records, day planner, water bottle, and any other thing I happen to have in my hand and toe into my low two-door sunfire. 5 a.m. out the door. 15 minutes to say goodbye to the cats. 10 minutes to double check that I have the keys, insurance card, ID, and the confirmation of the procedure's location. 10 minutes to give the cats their breakfast and a few squeezes. That puts him at 4.25 a.m. 5 minutes to panic walk into several rooms without knowing why and and or lose my phone that would be in my hand. Uh, 30 minutes to shower, brush my teeth and hair, and dress in the pre-selected clothing hung on the back of the bathroom door. 3.50 a.m. No sign of the sun. <laughs> Five minutes to wake up, realize I already took my medicine on the bedside table and that this is the second alarm. That's 3.45 a.m., 30 minutes to sleep while the medicine I took kicked in, making bright and bumpy car rides a little less nauseating. 3.15 a.m., first alarm, wake up, take the medicine sitting on the bedside table with a sip of water also on the bedside table and a specific heavy cup with a lid to minimize the cat's interference. You can't, you can't make anything cat-proof, but we're minimizing here. 3.15. I set the alarms on my phone, 
grumpily. Morning came and I arrived to my endoscopy without any trouble. Since I was unable to drive myself home, my Hubberton, then boyfriend, took the day off of work so he could be both my chauffeur and recovery nurse. My anxiety was through the roof. They gave me medicine to quote-unquote calm my nerves, but apparently my nerves did not give a and flexed even harder just to show the medicine who was winning in this panic versus induced serenity battle. It sure wasn't Zen Gardens. <laughs> After paperwork, I was almost positive they had on file already, and getting fit for a new scannable bracelet, I told my Hubberton then boyfriend goodbye, and I was brought back behind the sea of curtains. I changed into the thin hospital robe behind a curtain. I climbed into a bed surrounded by curtains and waited until one panel of the curtain was opened and I was IV'd up. It was always freezing and I always knew it would be freezing. I wrapped myself in the rectangle poncho that I had selected as the best washable option that also would not interfere with the IV lines. Uh, the volunteers always offered warm sheets. Uh, warmed sheets. <laughs> the thought was so kind and I would try really hard not to let them see my continued shivering. <laughs> Even a stacked six-pack of warmed sheets only stayed warm the exact amount of time it took for me to straighten them around me, I suspect that the 60 thread count and the constant washing with strong cleaner is to blame, but honestly, I'd rather be snuggled with mesh that was properly sanitized rather than melt under the thickest blankets if they only got a few Febreze spritzes and a few smelling spots. I don't know why those are the only two options, but... <laughs> But I'm going with the clean mesh. I'm putting my foot down, making a stand. The bright lights overhead made the bleached hospital glow, like almost actually glow. I don't know. They might use like <laughs> lightning bug technology or something. But the combination of the lights with the white of everything made me think... I could probably navigate the halls looking through the lids of my closed eyes because they for sure were not thick enough to keep out the glare. <laughs> through the opened curtain, I looked to the other patients for some camaraderie. They must be there for similar procedures. No one returned my weak smile or my little wave. There were about five other patients... Uh, one presumably had just gotten through with his testing. His anesthesia was wearing off and he was moaning. My brain calculated two thoughts at about the same time. Number one, all five of the other waiting patients were easily in their late 70s, early 80s. Number two, 
the guy coming back from his La La Land nap was definitely not having a good time transitioning. I was trembling and not from the cold this time. I knew I was in pain and I needed this testing to find out why I was in pain, but I was only in my early 20s. I was with a group of elderly patients in various stages of discomforts, but they had all lived a life. Did I have a disease typically reserved for the elderly? Was I actually going to die so young? before I'd even lived a life? Just as I was imagining who would speak at my wake, an angel of a nurse appeared. She dragged behind her a coat rack, pulling two full IV bags and started attaching tubes. The doctor came in right as she had started the line, and then I became cold from the inside out. The doctor asked me what I was having done today. I had expected the doctor would have peeked into my chart or onto his to-do list or something that would have clued him in already on which end he would be scoping patients that particular day. He assured me that he had, but (laughs) but that he needed me to say it in my own words just to ensure that I knew what was happening for some legal stuff. The rush on the IV became too distracting to bear, and I begged the nurse, still arranging the wires, if the IV could be, like, turned down, whatever that meant. Now I know that my veins are anatomically small and typically require a pediatric needle for placement, but all I knew then was I couldn't stand it, and thankfully the nurse made adjustments and slowed down the drip. Oh, yeah. um, My understanding is that you will send a small camera down on a selfie stick um, down my esophagus to see what you can see. The doctor left satisfied and ordered some additional IV sedation. A few minutes passed and my heartbeat stopped pounding so fast at my temples. I took a deep breath and exhaled. I looked around to the other patients, none of whom looked as if any of this was new. That scared me. A whole gang of nurses and transporters and doctors and that sweet volunteer all showed up at once. Some had masks and hairnets. The volunteer asked to take my glasses. My Zen moment was gone. I just kept repeating, but it hasn't kicked in yet. I'm still fully awake. I misunderstood the process. I, I thought I thought the IV sedation would, would have or should have made me fully unconscious before rolling me back into the operating room. I was terrified that my body somehow needed more medication to knock me out than was standard for my small frame. Images of waking up and choking halfway through the procedure couldn't be wiped away from my mind. The double doors swung open and I was wheeled into a torture chamber 
if it was a torture chamber that lived on the sun. Those hallways were shadows in comparison to this room. I think I think one of the medical team members even had a light on his forehead. My information was being read off, and then I heard the doctor mention the sphincters that he wanted to be sure to pay close attention to. Uh, no, I'm here for an upper, uh, upper endoscopy this time. Endoscopy? I said fearfully. He had not been talking to me. He was talking to a recorder for the operative report uh, that he paused to inform me that the human body has more than one sphincter. (laughs) Even one of the esophagus in this case. I blindly was rolled on my side and told to count backwards from ten. I reached two thinking about sphincters for a full eight seconds leading up to my deep sleep. My endoscopy took little more than 20 minutes. I woke up behind a different set of curtains and found I had no control over my speech. (laughs) Anything and everything that I thought just I said out loud. First, I was just talking to myself encouraging myself not to look at or move my arm with the IV in it. Needle or no needle, there was something in my vein, and I could feel it, and it didn't hurt exactly, but I knew tomorrow there was going to be a huge bruise, and it was sure still going to be sore. My angel of a nurse returned. Still unable to stop talking, I apologized for being a bother and a baby. She covered the arm with the IV with the crepes mistaken for sheets. Thin as they were, the visual trigger was now removed. She handed me a wellness magazine and I flipped through a few pages. Unable to read, I continued my monologue. Wasn't my nurse brilliant to hide my IV for me? And what a sweet person to even rummage up a magazine. I repeated my musings to Hubberton, then boyfriend, when they allowed him to come back to the recovery curtains. I was so busy filling him in, I didn't see he held a handful of flowers. This led to more apology ramblings for not noticing them before. There was no controlling my mouth from speaking every repetitive thought. My angel nurse returned and took one look at the flowers on my bed and laughed. Laughed. She said she had never seen anybody given flowers for an endoscopy before and we were quite the pair. I continued to shower her with praise as she removed that evil IV and replaced it with a cotton ball and pressure. My throat was a little scratchy, and the miniature juice box went down quick. The doctor came in with a set of images that looked exactly like the tunnels in a cave, and the headlamp from earlier suddenly made perfect sense. I asked Hubberton, then boyfriend, if he knew that there were more sphincters than just the anal sphincter, with zero context and a smattering of giggles. <laughs> the doctor diagnosed me with Barrett's esophagus. Extra cells were growing at the base of my esophagus. 
I would need to repeat this procedure annually to take biopsies. As long as I was faithful in returning annually, there would be enough time to treat any growths should they become cancerous in the future, he said. When asked if I had any questions, I inquired about the health of my esophagus sphincter. My doctor tried to hide his eye roll behind a slow blink. Make your follow-up appointment before you go, he said, unamused and likely reminding himself of the new boat that my illness was paying for. I dressed and I gathered up my things slowly and stopped to write and drop a folded card into the archaic suggestion box hanging by the nurse station. My nurse was an angel, it said. I would like to suggest you give her a race. I also suggest that you name your new ship the SS Sphincter. Hi, I'm Casey with a K. I'm recording the stories that can be found on my website, caseywithak.com. It's important to me that there is an audio version available of my stories because with one of my disabilities, visual reading is very difficult. If you're like me and audio is a better form of entertainment for you, this recording is for you, even though I hate the sound of my own voice. Thank you. Have a great day. Are you ready to buy your next book? Whether you're after an audiobook, ebook, or traditional print, you have options when it comes to what companies you purchase from. Now it is easier than ever to shop for your favorite book, have it shipped to your doorstep if you chose print, and know that you have still made a mom and pop local bookstore so, 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 so happy. If you want to know more about it, go to bookshop.org slash shop slash Casey with a K. And remember, it is .org, not .com, or just make it easy on yourself. <laughs> Go right now to bookshop.org slash shop slash Casey with a K and add it to your bookmarks because it's kind of hard to remember. And if you cannot find the book or the format that you are looking for there, for any reason, contact me and I will track it down. As an affiliate marketer, I do receive a commission for any books purchased through my link and know that you're also helping a local bookstore, either of your choice or geographically, they'll choose one for you. Happy reading!